No more sorrow, no more pain. Is that something to look forward to? Amen, yeah. You know, last week we started a series on the book of Revelation, on overlooked lessons from the book of Revelation. And um, I hope what you're going to get out of this is just a, tip, a little bit different view of that book. It might be confusing to you. It might be mysterious. It might be kind of uh, scary for some people. I remember reading it as a uh, middle schooler, reading a book called um, uh, Late Great Planet Earth, and it uses a lot of imagery from Revelation to describe how the end of the world is going to come. And uh, it was kind of scary for a kid who was not a believer that all this stuff was going to happen. But if you look at Revelation, there's more to it than just the end of the world in the sense of all this dramatic stuff. So. Um, I hope that you get a lot out of this series. I hope it encourages your faith. I hope it gives you a little bit different perspective of the book of Revelation. When you read the book of Revelation, does your attention focus on the drama that goes on in the book? The dragon and the beasts, uh, the plagues, all the plagues, all the bulls of wrath, the wrath of God that's being poured out. The the hundred pound hailstones always has always grabbed my attention. I grew up in Kansas, and I remember hailstorms as a kid. Never saw a 100-pound hailstorm. If you get caught up in all those kind of details, all that minutia about that, and you get your focus on those things, when they're there, and we need to read and study about it. But if that's all you ever focus on, the number of times that worship is brought up in the book of Revelation is going to surprise you because it's a lot there. There's a great deal of worship going on throughout the book of Revelation. Let me ask you, anybody, how do you define worship? Praising God. Communication with God. <clears throat> anybody else? Worship. How do you define worship? The gathering of other believers coming together. Yeah. That's what's going to happen in, in heaven. We're going to be gathered with the, the family of God. We'll finally be together. The universal, complete family of God will be brought together to worship. Worship is an expression of love. Have you ever thought of it that way? It's an expression of love. You should. It's an expression of personal attachment to who or whatever it is you're worshiping. Worship is something people give to something or someone they value. Something or someone they value. Thinking about that, our culture worships a lot of things, doesn't it? Lots of things. You can name all kinds of things that our culture values. In the fall, what happens in the fall all across America? People crowd into stadiums, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, even more to watch football because they really value football. The sportscaster Brent Musburger was announcing a football game between Texas A&M and South Carolina. And it was on TV, and he said this. He said, as they say in the South, college football is much more than just a religion. It's more important than that. Where did that man go for worship? He went, at least on Saturday mornings or afternoons, to the football stadium. Now, I don't know what he did on Sunday morning, but on, sun on Saturdays, he was at the football stadium worshiping there. Humans are created for many reasons. Did you realize that? You were created for many reasons to know God. You were created to know God, to know your creator. You just didn't evolve. You just didn't spring up out of nothing. 
Uh, you're created, and you're created to know God. You're created to enjoy God. And that is one of the things that I think our world misses so much, to enjoy God. I'm not talking about the blessings we ask him to help pay our bills or give us this trip or, or give us something. Just the fact of enjoying God, this relationship with God. Uh, to live the life he wants you to live. He, you were created to live a certain life. And we all struggle with that because of our old sinful nature, but we were created to live a life that God wants us to live. And we were created to worship God. We were specifically created to worship him, our creator. He is who we should value above everything else and anyone else, including ourselves. We should value God more than ourselves. In the book of Job, I don't know if you like the book of Job. It can be kind of, kind of a downer. I enjoy it. I love the book. I've learned a lot from that book, from that man. Um, never met him, and someday I'm going to. I believe he's in heaven, and I, I believe that someday I'm going to get up and go talk to him about his life, his relationship with God. In the book of Job, we're told that worship was a major part of his life. In the very beginning, it says in Job chapter 1, verse 5, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Job's regular custom for his life was worship. That was probably the most, most regular thing in his life. That ought to be the most regular thing in our life. Amen? It ought to be. Worship ought to be the most regular thing in our lives. It shouldn't be a ritual, but it can be a custom, something that we're used to doing and we do. Something that we've decided we're going to do for the rest of our lives, no matter what. And let me tell you, friends, around the parts of the world, a lot of Christians are gathering in spite of the fact that they could be persecuted and killed. They could suffer because of their faith in Christ. Now, I don't know if we're going to play sports in heaven. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think God really worries a whole lot about sports myself. I know people like to pray before the games and all that. That's okay. That's good. Now that's, that's, that's right and proper. The Bible doesn't say what are we going to do exactly other than we are going to worship in heaven. That's going to be a big part of heaven is worshiping God. Why? Because we're going to be right in the very presence of Almighty God. Think about that. And you're, when you get there, you're going to want to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what the angels are doing. They don't mind singing that over and over and over. You know, I hear people say, uh, we sing those 7-Eleven songs, you know, the seven same verses and 11 times. Well, guess what? That's exactly what the angels are doing right now. They're singing the same refrain over and over and over. If you have your outline ready, no, point number one, worship is meant to be personal. It ought to be personal to you because that means it means something to you. It's valuable to you. It's something that you are willing to pay a cost for. Chapter 1, verse 9 I, John, your brother and companion of the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He begins the book of Revelation describing the circumstances of his life. He says, I, John, your brother, companion of the suffering and kingdom and patience that are ours in Jesus. He's talking about his life, right? A companion in suffering and patient endurance. And he has to go through a lot. He's stuck there on that island called Patmos, which you could, by the way, go visit 
you wanted to. And, and he's exiled and he's alone. He's, he's all by himself. You know, we could say it this way. Look at me. Look what God has done to me in my life. Here I am. I'm isolated. I'm exiled. I'm alone. I'm persecuted. That might be the way we would describe it, right? Yeah, we tend to be a little bit that way. Why was John persecuted? Why did all this happen to John? Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus in his life. The word of God in his life. He was suffering for that. He was going through something you and I would say, oh, that's not good. That's not very positive. That's actually pretty bad. That's terrible. Something that you and I would never choose or want to go through. Suffering. We would never want that, right? But it was John's experience. It was John's life. And if someone has to be blamed, and usually somebody has to be, whose fault here is this? It's God's. It's God's fault. It's God's fault. Now, I know a lot of Christians, they don't think Christians should ever suffer. Christians should never suffer persecution. We should never be uh, hurting because of our faith. Our faith ought to make us strong. Our faith ought to make us happy and fulfilled. But John sure suffered. So did Stephen, so did James, so did John, so did Paul. Paul suffered. Listen to something from Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Paul and Barnabas had gone somewhere, and they were talking to people, and they were raising up, bringing people to faith in Christ. And, and in Acts 14, verse 22, strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships. They told the early church. And here we are in the 21st century, and we think, well, we shouldn't suffer because we're the church. We belong to Jesus. But for 2,000 years, Christians have been suffering because of what? The testimony of Jesus and the Word of God in their lives. Refusing to give it up, refusing to abandon the faith. Praise God every day you don't suffer persecution. When you lay your head down at night and you haven't suffered persecution that day, thank God. Thank God, because there's lots of people today that are, right now, suffering because of the testimony of Jesus and the Word of God. Worship Him for that. Worship Him from keeping you safe from suffering. Because a lot of Christians around the world sure are. Then in Revelation 1, verse 10, he wrote, he wrote this. On the Lord's Day, what is that? That's Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, he's up and he says, On the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. He's in worship. That's what he's talking about right there. In the midst of all his suffering, he takes time on the Lord's Day to worship. He's in the Spirit. Did you come here this morning full of the Spirit? I hope so. If you didn't, I hope you go out full of the Spirit. Amen. He was there in a, in a cave, they think, on this island by himself. He wasn't allowed, There were probably other people there. But they had to live in their own area of the, of the island. And he had his own. And he was alone. And I wonder as he worshipped, did he sing? I bet he did. I wonder if he sang out loud, loudly. I wonder if he sang loud. Why shouldn't he? He should, he, you know, No one's there, right? No one's there to hear him. So he was all alone. No one's around. No one to, to shush him because he didn't sing on key. No one to mock him because his voice might have cracked a little bit here and there. Or maybe he didn't know the words to the songs we sing. You know? God doesn't care about your ability to sing well, by the way. He doesn't care. 
look, folks, if he hadn't struck me dead for singing in church, he's not going to hurt you. Right? <laughs> he doesn't care how you sing. What he cares is that you want to worship him. He wants you to worship him. Worship, by the way, is personal to God. It's not just personal to us. It's personal to God, too. Your focus in worship shouldn't be on the people around you, no matter how good or how bad they sing, but on the one you're worshiping. That's where your focus should be. Who cares if you feel like closing your eyes, lifting your hands? Who cares, right? It doesn't matter if you do or don't. If you worship best with your hands down, that's fine. But if someone else lifts their hands in praise and worship, that's fine too, right? Amen? Yeah. And who cares if you don't sing like a pro, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care about that stuff. What he wants is right here, our heart. He wants it. Remember the Christmas story just two and a half months ago, right? Remember there's some guys that showed up and they wanted to worship baby Jesus? Remember that? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Yeah. Those men, however many there were, those men traveled hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles to meet somebody they didn't know so they could worship him. And that's exactly what they did. Part of their worship was gifts. We don't know how, what else they did. They probably did some other things too. They probably might have sang. Who knows? We don't know. But they gave. They worshipped Jesus as a baby. They didn't even know him, and yet they knew they had to go worship him. The book of Revelation shows us that worship is personal. And also, number two, God is being worshipped in heaven right now. We don't think about this so much. But God is being worshipped in heaven right now. Go with me to chapter 4. And let's just look at verse 1. He was all, he's already been given the, the, the letters to the seven churches. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I, heard for, I first heard, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. I've always loved verse 1. It's always caught my attention. I've always enjoyed this. I like this verse. Why? Because the door of heaven is standing open. It's wide open. He sees the door of heaven is open, meaning God is still bringing more people to faith in Christ, more people to worship. What God wants is heaven full of worshipers. That's what he wants. He wants a gigantic, universal church worship service. Now that sounds dull to us, but you don't know what it's going to be like. Okay? We don't know what it's all going to be like. But it'll be wonderful. This thing called Christianity can't just be about us. There's got to be more to it. There is much more to it. It's also about helping more people to come to faith in Christ so they can worship God. So they can worship Him. Not only in this life, in this world, in this place, but also for eternity in heaven. It's got to be about that too. Let's take a moment and let's look at this worship service here in heaven. Chapter two or chapter four, verse two. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow 
resembling an emerald encircled, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne was 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white, had, had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. And before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's the worship service that we're going to go be part of. That's what's going on right now. And they're singing this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, over and over and over and over and over. They just constantly say that. John saw God in all his glory. If you get caught up in all these details, that's okay. The rainbow, the different kinds of jewels, the beauty of all this, the, the, the sea, the sea of glass, the crystal, all that. It's okay. But remember, this is all about worship. Worshiping God, the Creator. And he also sees 24 elders of the people of God around the throne. These are believed to be the 12 apostles and the 12 patriarchs of the, of the Old Testament, of the people of Hebrew, the Hebrew people. They're there. They're honored. And they're worshiping God too. And there's also these four angelic beings there. And John says they're covered with eyes all, all over them. And they have six wings. And he's caught up in this worship service. He's watching these 24 elders. He's watching these angels worshiping God. And he says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Worship is the one aspect of the, of the book of Revelation that we seem to miss the most. We get caught up in the 24 elders and the angels. We get caught up in the throne and the lightning. We get caught up in all these other things that, that describe God. We get caught up in that. And we forget the circumstances of this situation is worship. It's a church service. I think we do that in real life too, don't you? I think we do. I think we get caught up in the, in the world around us. And we miss out on the worshiping of God. We get caught up in the worries of life, money and the needs that we have, the struggles and the cares of life, friends that might be in the hospital or have died recently. We don't know. Uh, we come to worship thinking about those things instead of thinking about God. Did you come this morning to worship thinking about God, or were you thinking about, i got to do this tomorrow morning when I get up and go to work, or when I go home this afternoon and these things I have to do? When actually we should be focusing our lives for a moment, for an hour, on God. Yeah. But up in heaven, the only concern there is, is praising God. Right now, the only concern they have is to praise God. Psalm 148, verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His heavenly hosts. That's all heaven's worried about, is praising God. Isn't that amazing? We can't just capture that for an hour, can't we? I think we can. I think we can carry that over to this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day. Right now, God is being worshipped. Is he being worshipped by us? I hope so. 
He's sitting on the throne of the universe and he expects to be worshipped. Number three, this is amazing, is that Christ is being worshipped in heaven right now. Christ is being worshipped in heaven right now. Go over to chapter 5 and look at verse 6. John says, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures of the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God. Wow. After seeing God the Father being worshipped, John was then captivated, I believe, by the sight of the Lamb, by the sight of Christ as the angels of heaven worshipped him. I think he was just, he watched this part and then he saw this part with the Lamb and I think he just got fixated on that, captivated by that. And couldn't take his eyes off the lamb. He's in church. He's in worship. And he's seeing this going on. Now, God the Father's being worshipped because of what? He's holy, right? You should all say amen and nod your head. God is holy. Right. He is the Lord God Almighty, right? Right. Amen. He is the creator of all things, everything. Jesus is being worshipped for an entirely different reason. Entirely different. Not that Jesus is not holy, because he is. He is also the creator of all things. He is the Almighty. But he's being worshipped for something else. Look again at verse 6. He says, I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Jesus Christ is the lamb. Who who doesn't just look as if he'd been slain, but had been slain, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right now, he's standing at the throne of God, the Father, being worshipped for something that he did. Go back to verse 7 with me. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures, 24 elders, fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain with your blood. You purchased men for God from every tribe and language, people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Hmm. Why is he being worshipped? Because he died. He died to bring people to God from every nation, tribe, and tongue. What Jesus did is life changing. It might have been a while. It might have been. It might have been a while for you. To have that gone through that change. Maybe you went through that change when you were a teenager or a young adult. Now you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s. We are going to stop at the 60s because I'm almost there. So I don't want to get further. So it might have been a while since you've thought about that moment of being changed, but what he did changes lives. And it shook up the world too. And I believe it's still shaking up the world. So he is worthy of our worship. Isn't that true? Yes. He gave his life as a ransom for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins. So what? So we could worship him. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given 
in its proper time. That's worthy of our worship. That's why we sing that song, because he is worthy. And we should. Listen to what the worship of Jesus sounds like from verse 11 and 12. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Wow. Did you notice from verse 11, John said, the voice of many angels? The voice? They were all in this together. They were all worshiping him with one voice, with one song, focused on Jesus, the Lamb. Why do the angels of heaven, a hundred million or more, worship Jesus for dying on the cross? He didn't die for them, so why are they worshiping him? Because he's God. Because he's God. And because they're told to, they're commanded to. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he said, let all God's angels worship him. We read that, let all angels worship him. We think, well, that's not a command, but it is a command. When God says something, he, even if he says it in a nice way, it's a command, right? Yeah. The angels are having a worshiping God in Jesus because they're commanded to worship God in Jesus. And there's a whole other group. There's another group of people in heaven who are worshiping God in Jesus too, the saints. Right now there are saints in heaven worshiping him. Go to chapter 19 with me. Nineteen verse five. John writes here towards the end, he says, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God and all I'm sorry, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him both small and great. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him from small and great, both small and great. Who is this voice? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly who, but I believe, I believe this voice could be Jesus Christ. He's at the throne, he's speaking, and he speaks of God as our God. Now he's done this before. He's done this a couple different times. In in the New Testament, several times he calls God my God too. In Matthew 27, 46, on the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In John 20, verse 17, on the morning of his resurrection, he meets Mary and he says, Go instead to my brothers, tell them I am returning to my Father, your Father, to my God and your God. So he refers to God the Father as his God too. Now he is the Son, he's the Son of God, he is God in the flesh. But there's this role that he has as part of the Trinity. We'll talk more about that in another week or so, but he has a role. He's not lesser than God the Father. He's equal to, but he has a different role. And here on earth, he spoke of God as his God too, because he was doing his Father's will. And this voice commanded the saints to worship God, and to worship God demands our all. We take worship very lightly today. Many of us do. Many people in church today think of church as a concert, as a really feel-good time. And I'm supposed to be to walk out feeling really, really good. 
That's why TV preachers are, are doing so well, because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear good things. So I think the best thing we can talk about is heaven. Because we're all going to end up there someday, right? I mean, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ by faith. Yeah. Christian worship must always be in reaction to what God has done for us. It must always be a response to what he's doing in our lives. Worship is not the time to be social, even though we take time to greet each other and welcome each other at the beginning of the service. Worship is not about being impressed by a singer or by an instrumentalist or by a speaker, but being overwhelmed by God. When you come to worship, you should strive to have a sense of God's presence. You should be seeking him asking him to speak to you during the worship service. I pray for that, but we all should be praying for that. We all should be seeking to have an encounter with God in our time, our quiet time here together. In Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2, David wrote, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. David said, I cannot be quiet, God. I'm going to praise you. I will not be quiet. I will not be silent. I will praise you. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's all that you are. That's your entire being. So worship demands the same. Worship is meant to be the greatest expression of our love for God and for Christ. Remember, as Christians, we come together and we worship God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We worship all of God and we give Him all that we are. I hope you're doing that. I hope you are growing in that. Hope God is speaking to you when you come here. That's why we're here. Amen. Before we go further to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing a song, I Surrender All. That is what worship is really all about. That's what living with God is. We surrender all of our lives to Him. And this song reminds us that Jesus wants all of us, all of us. He wants all that we are in faith and in relationship. You can't have a, rela a part-time relationship with Jesus. It's all or nothing. Amen. So let's stand and get ready to sing. Maybe you're feeling a sense that you, you make it, need to make a decision and you don't want to come forward today. That's fine. You can talk to me later afterwards or we can have coffee sometime this week, whatever. Whatever kind of decision God's making, let him lead and guide you that. If you need help with that, I'd love to help you. I'd love to be part of that in your life and in your walk with God. So let's pray, though. Father, we thank you. That through Jesus Christ, we 